Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hooked on Fantasy. I'm your host, Luke Sawhook, and today we have a very good show for you uh, guys in store. I'm a Steelers fan, for some of you who may know. And today we're going to be breaking down my favorite division in the entire world, the AFC North. Uh, we're going to be taking a look at the Browns, the Ravens, the Bengals, and the Steelers rosters uh, for all fantasy-relevant options. And I'm going to be thinking, uh, bringing you guys my analysis, my takes on the players, if I'm rising or falling on them, how I feel, if I'm in or out on them on redraft. And I'll take, probably take a look for some dynasty angles as well. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge something real quick before we get the show started. I was verified on Twitter last night, and I am very excited about it, not going to lie. Um, shout out to all the people who've been giving me love on Twitter today and last night. Um, I was going out of uh, Black Widow. I went to go see the new Marvel movie with my parents. And uh, on the way out, I was hopping in the car and I got notifications said, like, congratulations, at Luke Sawhook is now a verified account. And I was like, dude, no way. I opened it. I literally felt like I was dreaming. It was an insane uh, experience. And uh, thank you guys for showing me love today. I really appreciate it. Um, there are people who work harder than me and are a little bit more deserving of getting verified on Twitter. But you know what? An opportunity fell right into my lap and I obviously will not be saying no. Uh, so thank you guys so much for the love and support. Anyway, uh, let's get into this AFC North breakdown. So starting things off, we have the Cleveland Browns, the Brownies, a team I despise the most in the AFC North. Uh, shout out to all the boys from Dynasty Nerds. They're all Browns fans. And I, I, I'm in Ohio. I live around a ton of Browns fans. Uh, but personally, I don't like the Browns because I'm a Steelers fan. And uh, they beat us in the playoffs last year for, you know, good reason. Anyway, uh, I, I try to keep all my biases aside, though, in my analysis. So uh, first things first, we need to get into the quarterback. Uh, Baker Mayfield, I think he is a talented NFL quarterback. I'll say that first. However, uh, he is very inconsistent, and I've had issues with his fantasy productions on a consistent basis uh, for me to pretty much avoid him in single quarterback redraft leagues. I think Baker Mayfield should be sitting on your waiver wire in single QB redraft leagues. Personally, I think he is more, no more than a solid streaming option. However, in Dynasty, I think I have him ranked around QB 20 for me to QB 17, somewhere in that area. Obviously, if it's a super flex league like Scott Fishbowl or your redraft league is a super flex, take Baker Mayfield. I'm not saying don't take Baker Mayfield. He's a totally fine fantasy football quarterback. He will get you consistent points. My problem is the inconsistency of his season-long outlook, right? I mean, last year we saw these crazy stretch of games where he was terrible. Sure, the weather was bad, I know. Cleveland fans, don't come into my mentions telling me about how bad the weather was. I know the weather was really bad, okay? But Maker Mayfield still was way too inconsistent for my fantasy football team I had him on last season, and it was honestly a pretty painful experience. Um, I think Baker and the Browns' offense is moving in the right direction to have more week-to-week -week stability, but I do think it'll be an uphill climb moving forward for them, for Baker Mayfield, to really, truly establish himself as a uh, stable fringe QB1, like a guy like Derek Carr or Kirk Cousins moving forward. I think Baker has the tools to do so. I love his energy on the field. But as far as fantasy football goes, I, I'm not the biggest fan of his. I think that I'd much rather take shots on other game managers like Derek Carr, Tua, if you want to call Tua a game manager. Some, I know some people might not like that take too much, but I think that's just kind of his play style. However, though, I, I the problem with Baker isn't really him. I think it's more in his weapons for fantasy that I think OBJ being hurt and Jarvis Landry also being kind of hurt recently has not done him very well at all. I think that an issue mainly lies really with the Cleveland Browns offense at wide receiver as far as having stability there in the last couple seasons. I think if Baker can get a full season of healthy, healthy OBJ and healthy Jarvis Landry he can really do wonders for him as a quarterback and as an NFL uh, fantasy asset as well. 
But let's move off the wide receivers from the Cleveland Browns because I honestly, guys, if, I, if I'm being straight up, I am not looking to draft Odell Beckham Jr. or Jarvis Landry this season in redraft. Jarvis Landry could be a great value in some leagues. Sure, that's okay. In PPR, I, I'm comfortable taking Jarvis at a value. Odell Beckham Jr., however, his listen, I get it. His ADP currently is his floor if he plays a full healthy 17-game season this year. I get it. But health is a big question mark for Odell. We all know this. Odell Beckham Jr. is a sensationally talented real-life NFL wide receiver and a dominant fantasy asset when healthy and getting the target share that Cleveland's, uh, the Cleveland Brown offense will give him. However, health is a huge concern for Odell. He's been injured the last two seasons, the year before the last one. He was hampered all year, and everyone made excuses about him being injured. That's totally fine. I, I gave him some slack there as well. But this past season, he was out the entire year pretty much with a bad injury. Obviously, you can't blame that too much on him. I mean, if freak accidents happen, I don't I don't wish him to get injured at all. I hate uh, projecting injury. But with Odell, I think it's too much of a risk for him to be on my fantasy football rosters. I'd much rather use that mid-round pick on a guy who has more upside, like a Devonta Smith, uh, than Odell Beckham Jr., who, sure, he has plenty of upside. But the injury concerns outweigh the, uh, the positives, in my opinion. So I am... Totally okay being wrong on OBJ this season, so he is off my board personally. However, if you love OBJ, go for a bounce back season. All power to you, friends. Don't care at all. However, that's my advice. I am not drafting him for due to injury concerns. I'd much rather be uh, pretty risk averse. Moving on to the star of the show in Cleveland, though, the uh, the backfield. We all know they have probably the best RB duo in the NFL with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, one superstar on the offense of the Kansas City Chiefs, has some pretty terrible off-field issues and finds himself in Cleveland. He's been a really solid producer for the last couple seasons. Nick Chubb went down a little bit last year, and we saw Kareem Hunt step in and have a pretty good games. Nothing insane, though. I was listening to the Fantasy Footballers this afternoon, and they said something about uh, how Nick, uh, Kareem Hunt only had like a, so many few extra rushing yards than he did when Nick Chubb was in the games. Um, so Kareem Hunt, I think he's still extremely talented and the one, two punch of Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb is fantastic for a real life NFL running back duo, but for fantasy, however, the only running back I'm really confident, uh, rostering as my RB one, obviously is Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is a superstar. Nick Chubb is a dominant NFL force on a field. He gives me Derrick Henry vibes in the sense that you have to pay a ton of attention to just destroying him on defense or else he's going to be an absolute game record and just ruin your offensive, uh, your defensive scheme all day long. Nick Chubb is amazing. He can do it all. He's not the best receiving back in the world, but he can catch. He can rip off a run for 50 yards. He can run it between the tackles and pound the rock at the goal line. He's everything you want in an NFL running back. And I really want that guy on my team because he has a carved out role in the Cleveland Browns offense, in my opinion. I think that Nick Chubb is a locked and loaded, guaranteed top 10 running back this season easily. You can even make the case for him to be top five, top three, even if everything goes correctly. Uh, Kareem Hunt, I think I value him as a really good RB2. Uh, I've been really enjoying uh, getting Kareem Hunt in some uh, mock drafts I've been doing with a modified zero RB approach when you're getting your first running back in like the fifth and sixth round. I love pairing Kareem Hunt with guys like Ronald Jones, Michael Carter, etc. cetera, uh, later on in your first uh, in your uh, modified zero RB drafts. I really like Kareem Hunt as a stability for fantasy football rosters. He's not going to bring that home run hitting upside unless uh, for some godforsaken reason Nick Chubb goes down. But I do really like Kareem Hunt in the sense that he can catch a lot of balls. He gets a lot of touchdowns. And late in games, he really comes alive, which is fantastic for your fantasy teams. Because if you're sweating it out in that fourth quarter going down to the wire against your rival, man, you want to you pull it out. And Kareem Hunt's pretty good for that. But 
All right, that'll do it for the Cleveland Browns. In summary, Baker Mayfield feels very meh to me. Uh, I'm not really touching him. Odell Beckham Jr., I am uh, not drafting him this year. I am okay being wrong. Jarvis is a great value if you can get him in PPR leagues later. And Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are two very solid, stable running backs that I am really investing in this year. All right, moving on to our next team in the North, a team I also despise as a Pittsburgh Steelers fan. However, I love a lot of their players for fantasy football, which is kind of ironic. The Cincinnati Bengals. So the Cincinnati Bengals are a team that were stuck in a in a weird limbo of mediocrity for a very long time in the real life NFL uh, spectrum of things. They are still a pretty bad team currently, but they're moving in the right direction for sure. That offense is a fantasy football player's dream. You have Joe Burrow, great young quarterback out of LSU and coming into his second season, coming off an injury. I'll get into that in a second, but I think he's going to produce very, very well in a high-volume passing offense as Zach Taylor wants to lead for Joe Burrow. You have T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, and Tyler Boyd, three extremely talented NFL wide receivers. I think it's arguably the best trio in the NFL, maybe behind the Cowboys with Gallup, Cooper, and Lamb. But that being said, really, really talented group of guys over there in Cincinnati. I think that Joe Burrow is going to sling the rock. I have him projected as a QB1 this year. A lot of people don't for redraft. That's okay. Um, I'm just a big Joe Burrow guy. He's a top five dynasty quarterback for me. I think that Burrow is going to be slinging the rock in a high passing volume offense. That's going to lead to a really productive season, especially from Jamar Chase and T Higgins. I think Boyd might be taking a bit of a back seat. Um, I also think that Joe Mixon moving on to the running backs is going to have a very good season. I saw somebody tweet a little while ago. Uh, I forget who it was. I'm sorry. I think it might've been Dave Kluge. I forget. Um, says that Joe Mixon and Najee Harris are the same player. Um, I kind of agree. I think that um, Joe Mixon and Najee Harris do a lot of the same things well. Uh, they, they they both are going to be a three-down running back. They're both going to uh, catch passes. They're going to run the ball a ton. And I really like that take. I think it was Dave. Sorry if it, if it wasn't Dave, uh, whoever you were who made that take. <laughs> um, but I really liked that. I think that Najee and Joe Mixon are both set up for great amounts of success this year. I think that Mixon, if he can't do it this year, I think it's time for Joe Mixon to go in the fantasy football grave. I'm sorry, Joe. Joe Mixon fascinates me. Quick sidebar. Joe Mixon fascinates me. He is a pro bowl caliber real life NFL running back, right? He gets an amazing workload behind a solid-ish offensive run blocking line. Uh, Great receiving work. He's made a pro bowl before. Yet he's never put it together for a fantasy season. It doesn't make any sense. Running backs of his talent and skill set in the NFL usually put it together for a really good fantasy season. Some people think it might be this year. I think it could be with the really good receiving options downfield. You're not going to get as much pressure on Joe Mixon in the box against linebackers. He had a lot of time last, uh, last season to recover his foot injury that kept him out for most of the year. Actually, almost all of the year. Um I think that it could be Joe Mixon season, everybody. And his redraft ADP is currently in the second round around the 205, it looks like. And I think that is a massive steal. If you can start off your, I think that the strat this year is two things in redraft. I think it's either tight end, running back, running back, or running back, running back, running back, pound wide receivers and tight end later. Because you can, I've had mock drafts where I've been able to stack running backs like Christian McCaffrey, Najee Harris, and Cam Akers together. I know it sounds crazy. But it's possible. And those are three really high upside, solid running back one uh, caliber players. And if you can start off your fantasy football draft that way, you will be destroying your home leagues and making your league mates cry. Seriously. If you can get Joe Mixon in the second round and pair him with a stud running back at the end of the first, you're off to a nasty start to your fantasy draft, friend. And uh, yeah, love me some Joe Mixon this year. I also think that the, the Jamar Chase 
could be in for a bit of a Justin Jefferson season. I don't like saying that because Justin Jefferson literally had the greatest fantasy uh, rookie wide receiver season of all time. But if you look at it, it makes sense. So many targets have been vacated by AJ Green's role. Jamar Chase will be so efficient. He has the connection with Joe Burrow. There's no way he finishes outside of the top 24. I, I just don't see it unless he gets injured. Uh, Chase is going to have a huge role for that offense. Unless he's a buster, gets hurt. Chase is going to do amazing things for the Cincinnati Bengals offense. Moving on to the Baltimore Ravens, the team I respect the most in the AFC North. I don't like them, but I respect the hell out of them. The Baltimore Ravens do a great job as an organization. Class act over there. Class act in Baltimore. A lot of question marks in Baltimore this season. The only guy I really feel solid about in Baltimore this year is Lamar Jackson. And here's why. Lamar, although he disappointed last season as returning his ADP in redraft leagues at the QB 9 or 10, I forget which one it was, Lamar Jackson still put up good numbers. Uh, he was still a QB 1. And the year before that, obviously, he set the world ablaze with his MVP season. This season, I think Lamar Jackson returns to form a bit. I don't think he's going to go to QB 1, but I do think he's going to finish top 5. And the big reason behind that is the receiving options, okay? Everyone knows that the Baltimore Ravens do not like throwing the ball to their wide receivers, like, at all, apparently. However, if you were an offensive coordinator in the NFL, answer this for yourself at home. Would you want to throw the ball to Miles Boykin, Hollywood Brown, and Willie Sneed? I don't think you would. You want to throw the ball to Mark Andrews, right? You want to throw the ball to... Maybe the backfield, but probably not because Lamar Jackson's a rushing quarterback. So what I'm trying to say is last season, they had no good weapons at all. And the year before that, no good weapons. None. Now you have Rashad Bateman, Tylen Wallace, Sammy Watkins, and Hollywood Brown. That's four really, really solid wide receivers, dude. Really, really solid. What's up, Hutch? Shout out to uh, my boy Hutchison in the chat. Thank you, Hutchison, for tuning in. I love you guys. Check out uh, Hutchison's podcast, The Young Fantasy Mind. Amazing show. I've guessed it over there a couple times if you want to go check that out. Anyway, back to uh, uh, the Baltimore Ravens offense. I, I really am just a huge believer in the Baltimore Ravens wide receiver core to boost Lamar Jackson's fantasy stock. I think it just really elevates him to another plane that Lamar could not get to before because Lamar had really high touchdown percentage passing rates on uh, on offense uh, statistically before. However, now having these more wide receiver targets that are more quality on the team, I think that's going to be less of an efficient low-volume passing offense and more of a medium efficiency medium passing volume offense if you know what I mean I think we're going to see the Baltimore Ravens move from 32nd in passing volume to wide receivers to about 25 27 which I know that's still like bottom 10 in the NFL but the difference between dead last and like 25th or 27th is all the difference in the world for a player like Rashad Bateman and I really like Rashad Bateman as a late round flyer in redraft leagues right now they're going in the 12th round uh, that's an amazing late round flyer for the potential wide receiver one on a high volume offense with a lot of touchdown opportunities. Uh, I really like Rashad Bateman for dynasty, especially, but focusing on a redraft lens here, the only wide receiver I'm really touching in Baltimore is going to be Rashad Bateman. Unless Sammy Watkins, the lizard King goes off in week one and he's going to hit waiver wires. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll, I'll take a flyer on him on my bench. Uh, moving on to the backfield though. This is where things start to get a little hazy. Okay. Love JK Dobbins. Huge J.K. Dobbins fan. Uh, last season, I wasn't really on fantasy Twitter very much, but as a prospect coming out, I had J.K. Dobbins ranked as my running back three behind DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor. But he was my personal favorite. I loved his film. I thought he had he had an amazing talent, and I really wanted my Pittsburgh Steelers to draft uh, J.K. Dobbins. Obviously, we didn't. Uh, we have Najee Harris now. Uh, but the Baltimore Ravens drafted J.K. Dobbins, and I was actually really angry when they drafted J.K. Dobbins because I was like, 
dang it, we're going to have to play this guy twice a year, every year, and it's going to be painful. And it has been so far. But anyway, back to fantasy land. J.K. Dobbins, right? Not a heavy pass-catching running back. Extremely, extremely efficient on the ground. Led the NFL in yards per carry, I'm pretty sure, with a little bit over five, if I'm not mistaken. J.K. Dobbins is an electric runner on the, flo- uh, on the floor. <laughs> He's an electric on the floor, baby. You should see him move. But J.K. is a great runner of the football. He can pound it on the goal line. He can run it between the tackles. He can rip off long uh, runs. He's very elusive in the open field. And he is a moneymaker in the open field, man. He's an amazing running back. But big question is, Gus Edwards, the Gus bus, is still present in that backfield. And they paid up Gus Edwards uh, to be the backup for the Baltimore Ravens. And it does concern me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Gus Edwards is going to be a really annoying thorn in the side for a lot of fantasy managers this year. And I don't know how to feel about J.K. Dobbins. He's one of those players I truly go back and forth on every single day when I'm thinking about just laying in bed. Literally last night, guys, fun story. I was spending the night over at a friend's house and I was sleeping on the couch and I was literally laying there like, okay, how many, uh, how many fantasy options can I name on every team? I was like, Jets. Okay. They got, they got Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, Jameson Crowder, Corey Davis. And I, I did that for like, like seven NFL teams until I fell asleep. Anyway, uh, back, back to Gus Edwards. I don't know how I got there. Anyway, Gus Edwards was paid a lot of money to come into Baltimore and, uh, you know, Carry that ball, man. I think he's going to spell J.K. Dobbins a lot. He's going to get a lot of goal line opportunities because he's a big back. He's very talented too, man. If you watched J.K. Uh, JK Dobbins and Gus Edwards play last year, of course Dobbins looked a little bit better than Gus Edwards, but Gus Edwards still looks fantastic. He's a very talented running back that wiggles really nicely in open space for how big and powerful he is. He's really hard to take down. That's why they call him the Gus Puss, obviously. And um, I think Gus Edwards has pretty good standalone value, honestly. I, I, I'm taking him in a lot of leagues with or without J.K. Dobbins uh, just for standalone value and for a mighty good handcuff if you have J.K. Dobbins for sure. Uh, J.K., I'm projecting him to be a fringe RB1 this year around RB15-ish, a high-end RB2. But like I said, I go back and forth on him so often. I, I I easily could end up with echo my face for him. I think he could easily end up being a top five running back if everything clicks. I mean, they're in the best running offense in the NFL. Most efficient, most touchdowns, most opportunities. J.K. Dobbins could have the chance to really just do it all. He could really just put on a huge, huge show in Baltimore and just crush it. That being said, with the lack of receiving work, with the presence of Gus Edwards potential injury jk dobbins can really disappoint people for this year and i think i'm in though in in redraft leagues that he's been a great value i've got him in the third round and certain mocks drafts the end of the second and i think that's a really really nice value for i think the consistent production you're going to get for jk dobbins the only issue is the touchdowns you're going to get a ton of yardage for jk dobbins the question is will he produce the touchdowns Gus Edwards might get a lot of touchdowns, guys. If I woke up tomorrow and you told me that J.K. Dobbins ended up with six rushing touchdowns and uh, Gus had eight, I'd believe you. Seriously. I think that Gus Edwards could easily get the 10 zone carries. However, Dobbins could also get all of them. He could get a ton of carries. They could pull uh, a Bengals with uh, Giovanni Bernard's contract that the Bengals gave him. They gave him $6 million a year, the Bengals did. They could be doing the same thing with Gus Edwards. They're just locking down a good backup. I don't think that's the case, but it could happen. And J.K. Dobbins is just a big mystery for me. But in summary, the Baltimore Ravens offense for fantasy football, Lamar Jackson, I think he's in for a big year. If you can get him for a value uh, fifth round or later in your fantasy redraft leagues, I would definitely be taking a peak ski over there. 
for the wide receivers, Rashad Bateman's a great late round flyer in redraft leagues. Love him in dynasty leagues. Go get Rashad Bateman in dynasty before the value goes up on him. Talent over landing spot gang all day long. Where are you guys at? Uh, and lastly, running back looks a bit murky with J.K. Dobbins, who could be a fringe RB1 to a top five guy. Uh, and Gus Edwards, who knows what's going to happen with him. But anyway, on to by far the best team in the AFC North. Am I right, ladies and gentlemen? The Pittsburgh Steelers, my favorite team. Uh, like I said, all bias aside here, guys, I always try to keep my uh, my analysis as bias-free as possible. Ben Roethlisberger, let's start with number seven, had a pretty wash end to his campaign last year, coming into likely his final season. I really hope it's his final season. We need to move on. Um, not much to say about Big Ben, really. I mean, we all know he's going to be a very high passing volume quarterback. He's going to he's gonna have big games. He's going to have games where he throws for like four, ta- four touchdowns and 260 yards. He's going to have games where he throws for two touchdowns, three interceptions, and 170 yards. Ben just naturally has a large amount of variance to him, and I think that's a risk I'm willing to take this year. Uh, not in redraft leagues for a single QB, but in super flex leagues like Scott Fishbowl and stuff like that, I think it's going to be a great value for your teams. And the contender go out there and get Ben. I think that Big Ben is going to be a great value for Dynasty Superflex. He's going to be a con- good contributor for your team this year. He's got he's going to finish in the top twenty. Uh, there's not a doubt in my mind he's going to finish in the top twenty. Ben just does that every year. He kind of figures out a way to do it. Um, let's move on to the wide receivers because th- this is the most interesting part of the Pittsburgh Steelers' offense. Okay, I'll start with Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju last season disappointed a lot of people. Him and Odell Beckham Jr. were the breakout candidates for the bounce back season last year and redraft going around the third round back to back in ADP. And a lot of people thought that Juju Smith-Schuster was going to transform into this PPR monster this season in the slot. Uh, it didn't really work out that that way. Uh, it, it, it appears that the Steelers offense still runs through the outside wide receivers with Claypool and Deontay Johnson. However, Juju Smith-Schuster found a way to finish as this Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver leading uh, fantasy scorer this season. All three of the Steelers wide receivers finished inside the top 25, which is very interesting. They're all really close. And honestly, I like all of them. Juju, I think, is locked in for another top 25 year. Might not have the highest ceiling, but if you want a really safe wide receiver three or flex play, Juju Smith-Schuster is your man. Over to Deontay Johnson, my personal favorite of the bunch this year for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think that Deontay is a lock for 100 plus targets, maybe even 100 receptions. If we're lucky, if he gets rid of those drop skis. Uh, I think that Deontay is a very talented wide receiver with a brilliant wiggle on the outside, really good uh, route running ability. And I think he's big Ben. It loves Deontay. His favorite go-to target when he needs a catch. Deontay Johnson is there to make big plays. Uh, Juju has the safest hands. Sure. But Deontay Johnson, if he gets open, he can easily rip off a 20 yard little wiggle route over the middle. And he does it all the time, man. He's great in the open field. He's a great yak wide receiver from his pun return background in Toledo. Uh, hashtag Maction, baby. Go Redhawks. Uh, but Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson feel similar to me. I like Deontay a lot. I think he has a high ceiling, but uh, uh, also a very high floor. I think Deontay's ceiling is easily top 10 if everything goes correct for him. And he takes a step forward this season with Ben and they really connect. Uh, his floor is like 30. Uh, I love Deontay for his value right now in fantasy drafts. Very, very, very good wide receiver three for your fantasy teams. Really, really good wide receiver two as well. Wide receiver one, not a huge fan unless you're going zero, uh, zero wide receiver, which is a bit of an interesting strategy. But Deontay is a really safe bet this season. and I really like his outlook. Moving on to my personal favorite, not my highest projected, but my personal favorite uh, swing for the fences wide receiver this year at his value is Chase Claypool. Uh, Claypool 
is a touchdown threat every single time he steps onto the field. He can take it to the house on a slant route or a screen. He can run a, a, a streak route and burn you. He's an amazing red zone monster. He had over 10 touchdowns last year, which is really hard to do. He's an elite company for that. Uh, but like Jason Moore from the fantasy footballers always say, touchdowns are not a sticky stat. And I really hope it is for Chase Claypool. Um, I think he could be an instant success kind of contributor for the Pittsburgh Steelers offense. Uh, moving forward, I think he showed a lot of like, oh, not going to lie, superstar potential in his rookie season. I thought he looked extremely talented. The question is, can Chase Claypool do it on a consistent basis week in, week out? And the answer I honestly think is no. I think he is going to be a bit more inconsistent, which is okay, though. I think that's okay. Uh, I'm drafting Chase Claypool to be my swing for the fences flex. Uh, I think he's going to have huge weeks. He's going to have weeks where he scores six points. He's going to have weeks when he scores 30. And I think that the Chase Claypool experience will ultimately be a good one for your fantasy teams because I think those touchdowns are going to come more often than not. And I think that the Chase Claypool is easily a top 30 wide receiver with upside to finish in the top 10 on the season if he gets over 10 touchdowns again. Because last season, Randy Feekner, a lot of people don't know this, so this is a bit of a Steelers fan insight here. You're welcome. Randy Feekner, the terrible offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers last season, really believes in the rookie wall. He believes that halfway through the rookie of your rookie season on offense, he, you're going to hit a wall, and they cut off your snaps on purpose. Uh, they purposefully make sure that you don't get tired, you stay fresh, and they don't put you on the field as much. So they pulled Chase Claypool a lot. His snaps, uh, his snap percentage plummeted uh, through the halfway point of the season. But at the end of the year, once again, when he came back onto the field, he was making plays big time in weeks 16 and 17 into the playoffs. He had strong hands. He was winning a ton of 50-50 balls. He just looked fantastic. And I really think if we see a full season of that Chase Claypool, the X factor, go up and get a Chase Claypool, he easily could finish in the top 15. Uh, to, quick touch on tight ends real quick for all these teams. I realized I kind of skimmed over it. For the Cincinnati Bengals, I am out on CJ Uzama, unless he has a really good matchup for the streaming. Uh, Baltimore, Mark Andrews, really solid wide, uh, not wide receiver, tight end. Sorry, he's my, uh, he's my tight end five this season. I think that him and Lamar Jackson have a fantastic connection and a pinch. And I think that Mark Andrews is locked and loaded for another fantastic PPR season for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Eric Ebron is a meh option with the addition of Pat Fryermuth. Uh, and I, I'm kind of out on Ebron this season. And Austin Hooper is a streamable tight end, but I'm not a huge fan. Uh, I don't think they just really target the position very much. He's a good, great real-life NFL tight end, but it's not really for me. So, all right, ladies and gentlemen, that'll wrap up our AFC North breakdown today. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to uh, today's episode of Hooked on Fantasy. Uh, don't forget to follow the podcast if you are not already. Subscribe and drop a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. I would really appreciate it. It helps me grow. And thank you guys so much for tuning in. I will see you this coming Tuesday for our NFC North predictions. We're going north, north, south, south, east, east, west, west. So today we broke down the AFC North. Next uh, Tuesday, we are breaking down the NFC North. We're going to take a look at the Vikings, uh, Packers, Bears, and Lions. So it should be a really fun episode. A lot of fantasy-relevant options on those teams. We're going to talk some Justin Fields, some Aaron Rodgers drama. You guys are not going to want to miss that. Thank you guys so much for tuning in and checking out uh, this episode of the Hooked on Fantasy podcast. I am your host, Luke Sawhook, and I will see you later. Have a good one.